Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight series, the series that highlights the people, the technologies, and the companies that are coming together to shape the future of retail. I'm one of your co-hosts, Anne Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And today we have a very, very special guest with us, 2022 OmniStar, and now Vice President of Amazon Web Services Applications, the always wonderful Dilip Kumar. Dilip, welcome to OmniTalk, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. That's a great introduction. Great to see you yes, both. I, yes, I'd say so. Me. I'd yeah. say so, returning OmniStar. Um, yeah, he's back, Ann. He's yeah. back. Yeah. He came back. back. I, well, I couldn't. I could not be more excited. So, Dilip, tell us. So, your job title. So, we, we interviewed you last year. It must have been a couple months, maybe in a month before you got a new job. So, tell the audience how your jobs changed and what your new job is all about. Uh, I am now in AWS. I lead AWS applications. I spent about 19 years in the consumer business, and uh, I moved to AWS last August. Uh, and the AWS application group is a, a collection of services that's all catered towards. Uh, the non-developer, like business users. They could be in operations, they could be in marketing, they could be in call centers. So some of the services that we own um, or my teams own are part of AWS applications is like Amazon Connect, which is our call center in the cloud. Uh, We launched uh, a service on supply chains called AWS Supply Chain, which just recently uh, launched in April. We have AWS Clean Rooms and Identity Resolution, which is geared towards advertising, marketing uh, workloads. Uh, And then we have our end-user computing group, which is basically allowing people to be able to run their applications no matter where they are. So giving them access to their virtual desktop, either in a persistent way or in an ephemeral way, using workspaces or app stream. Uh, And then we also have... The ones that you're all very familiar with, which is our identity and checkout services. So Amazon One, Just Walk Out, and the Dashcard. So, Dub, I'm curious. Like, that's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, you're looking that. That's a lot of things you just mentioned. How do you decide what makes the list and what doesn't when you have that much under your purview? Yeah, it's actually a it's a good question. The way that we sort of think about all of these businesses is. is this something that can be differentiated? Is our offering and it can can it be differentiated? And is it large enough from a market segment size for us to go after? Uh, and more importantly, do we have the experience either mm. either internally or acquired? So if you think about Amazon Connect, you know we had had a lot lot of experience building call centers uh, and like building customer service for Amazon itself. So like externalizing mm. that was a very natural step. Similar thing for our supply chain. You know, we've had a lot of experience running supply chain across a variety of things. In uh, in fact, one of my first jobs at Amazon was leading Amazon's forecasting and supply chain work. And you know, mm. it's, the complexity is mind-boggling. So being able to offer that um, as an external service is a very ne- natural thing. And one of the things that we have all of these services tend to wrap is... Um, they not only have the the domain expertise and some amount of experience that we're bringing to bear, but also they they bundle together machine learning uh, and AI in these so that people don't necessarily have to roll their own of being able to sort of compose this off of various different infrastructure services. So there's uh, the, the, the tenet that we use in applications is, you know, 80% of customers should be able to get benefit out of this right out of the box. Mm. Um, you know, back in the day, there used to be this thing that if you're a package service, you know, you only get a vanilla flavor or you get this ultimate customization of services. Right. But for us, the happy medium is somewhere in between where the vast majority of customers should be able to get value out of these services out of the box. 
But if you really are, if you have, you know, a large uh, set of developers in, in base and your business needs are very different, we also provide tons of APIs that allows you to customize each of these things to your specific needs. So, you know, Amazon Connect is a, you can get tons of value out of the box, but we also have APIs that allows you to customize it for your needs. So, you know, Intuit's business needs are very different than Capital One's, which are very different than, uh, you know, Delta. So their ability to be able to make these changes along with getting, you know, out-of-the-box value is something that has really resonated with them. Plus, we're sort of bringing to bear our own experience in ML and AI, our own experience in running this for, you know, Amazon. Right. Um, all of those things are super helpful when we have these conversations with customers. Yeah, I mean, Dilp, we've obviously taken note of some of the ways that you package those services and that you're allowing um, other retailers to apply those. Um, most notably, I think the Just Walk Out application with apparel and fan gear happening this year at Lumen yeah. Field. Can you tell us a little bit more? A little bit more about what went into that the the technologies that you were bringing together with your unique expertise and experience coming from Amazon. Yeah. So when we started Just Walk Out and we went to stadiums, you know, the first natural thing that we went after is this notion of like food and beverage and how do you sort of right. eliminate lines there. And and we, we we did several of those. And then when you sort of look around the stadium, you find other venues. The most natural place where lines tend to get built up is fan merch. Um, right. It's again, it, it has a oh, lot yeah. of the same characteristics that you know, food and beverage has like people, people going either before the game or in between periods to be able to go get certain things. You really don't want to miss out on the action. You want to get in and out very quickly. And so we thought about ways in which we could use elements of just walk out. But then the item selection part of it is also, you know, it's, it's one of the most interesting and challenging problems that, that exist in computer vision and apparel, determining apparel in different sizes and prices is difficult. But right. this is where I think, you know, that the combination of RFID and just walk out allows us to be able to get the item identification done using RFID, but also allows us to be able to know who is taking what item and charging them in the same way that we do it for just walk out. So being right. able to marry these two things allowed us to be able to bring a very known experience in the stadium now to customers where you can enter using, you know, you can enter using Amazon One or um, or a credit card. You can go pick up the apparel and when you just walk out. You know, we know exactly um, who to charge for that right. particular item, and it's and it's you know we, we started off in Lumen Field. It's it resonated really well with customers, uh, and then we did it in Texas Rangers as well. You know, for the World Series game, and you know, you'll we'll see more of these in the future. I mean, it's a, it's a very natural extension and application for it. Yeah, Dilp. I mean, explain to us a little bit because we haven't been there yet. But like, what? size of store are we talking about and where how does this continue to evolve beyond maybe like a stadium scenario like will we be able to see this happening in a in a somewhat larger footprint yeah i, I think the size of the store it's kind of an interesting thing sometimes there okay. is a certain amount of you know rigidity if you will i want to say rigidity but i use that word carefully because you know when when you talk about food and beverage there's you usually associated with coolers and other kinds of things. Yeah. So like there's there's yeah. a certain amount of mm -hmm. work that needs to go in in order to be able to lay out a store. Uh, you just can't put a cooler in off of itself. You know, it requires a little bit of planning. Apparel and merch, on the other hand, in the way that we have sort of done it, allows for an immense amount of flexibility because you could just yeah. take 
racks of clothing and you could move it left, right. You could do anything that you want with the store. So the size of the store is largely dependent on what the operator wants to be able to do. And, you know, because you think about stadiums, you think about not just um, ball games that are happening there, but you can think about music festivals. You can think about other events that are happening. Taylor and Swift so, concerts. You got to be exactly. ready for the so Beyonce like and Taylor Swift. If there's a place for a line, if there's a place for a line, that is it. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any any other greater application of it. But that is one of the benefits of this is that most of the most of the technology is either in the clothes or in the in the checkout aspects of it. So the size of the store is no, it, it's largely a function of how much merch and how they want to display um, it in these stores, which is, which is great because it then gives people tons of flexibility. Really? So, so, so let me make sure I read between the lines there correctly for our audience too. So you're saying the introduction of RFID into the just walkout capability expands the footprint size that you can deploy the well, just walkout system to. Itself- can be can go to whatever footprint sizes you've seen this from like you know 200 square foot stores to you know 40,000 square foot yeah, stores right. so that part that part is its its own dimension i was talking about the fact that like the 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 extent to which you want to flex or reduce the size of it is no longer gated by right. oh, i got to get plumbing you know, I gotta fix your limitations. You know, I got to get a cooler in, and I got to yeah. put a cooler in this, and a cooler mm-hmm. requires certain amount of, you know, code or permitting or any of that. Like this is a much easier, lightweight mm-hmm. process. So it allows you to be able to create stores. It allows you to be able to create, you know, more temporary things that don't need to necessarily even persist. Yeah. Uh, and you can sort of flex. You know, you have a big event happening, have a bigger store. You have a small event happening, have a smaller store. It, and it, for it, a merchant, that's key. I mean, that's key, it, especially a apparel merchant. It's also super important in the sense that you you can sort of choose these at various locations. You don't have to sort of say that, hey, you know, I, there's only certain locations that are designated for food and beverage. You can have it anywhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could have this, literally, you could have this outside the stadium if you want to. Right, right. But, that's oh, go ahead, Dil. Yeah. No, no, no. That's it. That's what I so, meant. It's like, you could be, this could be in a variety of different locations. Yeah. So I was going to ask you too, because, you know, we're talking to you a little bit before this interview too. So I wanted to get your thought. You've said that... Th- are the lines, is eliminating lines still the inspiration for where you think about deploying this? Um, you know, am I reading you right? Is that still the main source of where you guys decide or try to license this technology next? It is the, it is the place where it is, there is the greatest amount of correlation to both merchant satisfaction and customer satisfaction. Okay. Like I always tell people this, that, you know, just walk out isn't a, it's not a demand generation machine it's a demand it's like a throughput right like reducing so that's important yeah thing right like it's not going to sort of like if, if mm-hmm. your store is not generating any demand this is not gonna, it's not gonna help you get yeah, more right. people to the store <laughs> like that's that's just magic this is right. a different kind of magic which says that like no matter how what the size of the uh the the, the lines are one of the things that tends to happen is that in like all, all savvy retailers know this um is this notion of like as stores get more crowded they wick away more traffic. Like people mm-hmm. see crowded stores and they're like, right. I'm not going to go in. Like I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'll find some other place. Um, and so that in and of itself sheds demand even before you get in. So like the, the lost sales isn't just people coming in and abandoning. It's people even choosing not to come in. And right. so when you have, when you sort of, one of the things that I like, it, it, it took us a while to realize this. It shouldn't have, but like it's, the, the the insight for me was that 
the number of people in the store is no longer a determinant of how long you spend in the store mm-hmm. as, a, right. as a consumer. Right. So as a consumer, like if you are always guaranteed, it because it, that is literally the effect of sort of reducing this notion of time anxiety. Mm-hmm. If you can eliminate people and like different people ha- are there on this scale of time anxiety, you know, everybody has some degree. Of, I have more time anxiety in airports, less in stadiums, other kinds of things. So like there's different things and like we're all built differently, yeah. but the, but we all have some amount of time anxiety. And the idea is that like if you can guarantee exactly how quickly, how much time you want to spend, and it is not at all related to the number of people that are there in the store, that is incredibly liberating. Yeah. This is and so that good. to me is very, very, very useful. Such yeah. good, such good stuff. Oh my god! I mean, like the applications, you know, with like flagship stores and like busy New York and crowded yeah. tourist attractions, that kind of thing play comes into play. But and what? You well, I mean, just eliminating, I think, some of the confines to putting this technology in a store that have that are starting to just get chipped away at here, Dilp, with everything that you're doing, like introducing RFID as a component so that you can expand this to apparel. Now being able to expand the footprint because you have other technologies in play here too. Um, and, and I think again, like just the the applications that we got to earlier with Amazon One and being able to use that as not only a way to personalize the experience in some cases, but also as a big component of some of the theft deterrent that uh, we know a lot of retailers are starting to invest in here. Uh-huh. The, the single point of entry and single point of exit, especially in some of these stadium environments that do get mm-hmm. very packed too. Like yeah. I just, it's so interesting to see how you're kind of, kind of, like I said, chipping away at each one of these areas of, of friction for consumers and for retailers. Yeah. All right. So let's, 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 let's expand out now. So we talked about just walkout technology and how you guys have like looked at doing it in apparel now, particularly from the fan gear experiences. So, so the question now is like, where does it go next? Like, what do you see as the next opportunities? Is it, is it campuses? Is it more airports? Like, how are you guys thinking about that? So one of the things that we've always been uh, amazed at is the the types of use cases and the kinds of things that people are coming to us for it's, you know, we, we had the idea of like, we started off with convenience and then we went into stadiums and airports. And then that is sort of morphed into universities. Some that's morphed into like, you know, convention centers, mm. uh, you know, like there, there's people like, it's, it's super interesting to see. It makes sense how, though when uh, you get down to it. It's like, it is, it is um, the, the one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, Consumers everywhere, they are, and I've seen this happen with like technologies in general, is that people feel that, oh, this is a niche uh, that is only applicable for certain kinds of things. And then they get social proof that, oh, or they try it themselves. And then they find that, oh, these things are actually useful for these types of use cases. And like the general belief that I have is that time poverty is increasing. Uh, I don't think people have more time now than they're like, there's a few things that have been like reasonably durable in the sense that, People are getting increasingly time constrained. Um, they are more time constrained now than they were five years ago. There's going to be more time constrained five years from now. Yeah. Um, and um, and you know the uh, the and, and as a result of it, the 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 ability for point of sales are excellent at a variety of different things, but they're not really good for handling these you know these flexing up and down. Mm. It it is effectively the, the the best equivalent I can sort of think about is that. It is the closest analogy I can think of uh, of the cloud and the ability to be able to sort mm. of like elastically scale so that to handle your demand without necessarily wicking away any of that 
Um, and so the, the more we can sort of think and learn from what the cloud has taught us about how to sort of handle these kinds of things, what makes sense for merchants, there's, a, there's tons of applicability uh, in physical spaces. Um, and so some of these are things that we're sort of going after. Some of these our customers are 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 reaching out to us saying that, you know, there's this use case. Have you considered this particular use case? And not all use cases are equivalent, mm-hmm. but they're all very intriguing in the sense that it's indicating that folks are, you know, getting more and more comfortable with this type of a, uh, with this type of an experience. And, um, and, and I can see that happening now. I can see that, like, you know, there's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of interesting where you put certain thing in a university in one place and then someone goes to some other place in a university and they don't find it in that other location and then they wonder why they didn't have it in this. And so they're sort of, we're getting, we're getting complaints from students through the university back to us saying, why that Door right. and why not this door? <laughs> right, which right, is perfect. Right. Like, I mean, this right. is like I don't want to create dorms. They're water. making the case yeah. for like you. We're, yeah, right. we're sort of equal equal opportunity for all dorms. But like, yeah. there is there's this thing. It's good. It's great. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, like we like, always it, say when we go around the country too, we say once you go go, you never go back. But I yeah. mean, what do you what do you just say? Because I want to I want to make sure the audience hears it too. There's some pretty big gold in what you just said too, because you talked about the point of sale being the limiting factor that you can't scale up or scale down based in terms of the hardware or the infrastructure that you're building in a physical retail operation in terms of how many cash wraps you want to have, right? But that's only one element that bottlenecks it too, because you also have the staffing side of it too, which is also a very, very much an increasing problem for most of retail right now. So you've got two factors that limit your ability to scale to your traffic demand. And you're saying that this solution or these ideas that we're talking about here on this show effectively, you know, ameliorate that. Am I am I hearing that right? Well, the the point of sale, like the, the staffing one, those things tend to sort of ebb and flow, right? Like there's there's always been periods where staffing is tight, and then there's plenty of staffing, and staffing is tight, and plenty of staffing, mm-hmm. and like retail cycles tend to happen. Yeah, I think with the point of sales, what like and so yeah, I mean we may be in a cycle where you know staffing is tight, but you know, maybe like five years ago or five years from now, it may or may not necessarily be. I think with things like point of sale and other kinds of the traditional way of shopping, though all of those occupy space. And when you're thinking about like for like retailers live and die by the amount of productive space that they can they can use and utilize in this. And so if you can if you can say that you're not sort of necessarily reducing or you're increasing your throughput while increasing your sellable space, it's a double win. For them, so like it is, it's it's a combination of both, right? Well, Dilip, I want to go into the one palm pay yeah. because I am a huge fan. You guys have made some pretty um, big announcements recently too about you know other types of of uh, applications outside of just retail, uh, particularly the Crunch Fitness one, which I'm having own gyms. I I wish I so much that we have. <laughs> this capability available for the last 10 years that we are running these. But tell us a little bit more about like where One Palm Pay is right now and where you see it going as we kind of head into 2024. Yeah, so we've been, you know, thrilled with the way that, you know, Amazon One is is increasing. It, it, you know, with, with something like this, the, our original idea, like a lot of folks think of this as predominantly uh, a payment mechanism. And while a payment mechanism for that is super important, mm-hmm. our original intent with this, and it still continues, is that it's a way for us to be able to figure out, you know, offline or physical, in physical spaces, identity. 
Right. So if you think about like if you think about our, our daily lives, like we are we are effectively without realizing it because we are so conditioned to this, is that we're identifying ourselves in many different ways using multiple different form factors. You, you go to a gym and you use the fob, you use a different fob for your parking garage, you use some other way to be able to enter your, you know, your, your apartment access for your building. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the there's job. a different there's a different identifier for loyalty. Um, there is a different identifier for age uh, to be able to sort of verify your age. So in a lot of these cases, the things that we were sort of triangulating to is that what is the one thing that you always have on yourself that you can then choose to when you want to so that you're always in control, identify yourself. And a subset of those use cases will translate into payment as well. So, you know, you could you could have an age verification use case where you could, you know, we did this in course field where, it is, you know, for alcohol purchases, you right. could be, you could be, you could do age verification, but then it it also substitutes as payment. You could do, you, you go to Whole Foods and it it connects to your loyalty. Uh, while it's doing payment, it also connects to your loyalty. So there isn't that duplication. And Crunch, it could be used for, you know, entry. Uh, right. We did the same thing with access for stadiums. It's it's a it's a great use case for us to be able to connect a ticket uh, mm. to entry. In all of these use cases, one the, the common thing is it starts off with physical identity and us forming um, a simple, easy, very intuitive way for people to be able to identify themselves when they want to. And then, um, and, the, and, the, and the use cases will vary a lot, right? Like we, the, the idea is that the, the benefit of something like this accrues when you're using this in many different places, so it just becomes habit. You yeah. know, if you, if you use it, if you use it at your Whole Foods and you use it at your gym and you use it at um, um, at, at, at the, the myriad touch points that you have, right. then it sort of says that, oh, you know, like, of course, I'm just going to use this because I just have it. It's yeah. Just, it's just well, the way I fit. So that's the way that we've been thinking about. And Dope, I have to ask too. Um, we, I mean, I think it's the greatest thing that's you ever do. happened. You, you love it. I want it to use it. I want everything, my license, my passport, my, yeah. you know, every method of payment that I have to be put on my palm. You but wallpaper your house with it, Ann. <laughs> I, if that were a possibility, yes, yes, I would, Chris. But I, I'm just curious, like how, what do you, what is the adoption of right now of one palm look like? Like, and what kind of, if any, do you think hurdles it still has to get over before people are going to start using it all the time? Because I'm ready and willing, but I know that there's certainly some people out there who are still a little skeptical. One of the things that Amazon takes a lot of pride in, and we've sort of worked very hard for that is, you know, we take, uh, as I said, we take privacy and security very seriously. But at the same time, we also feel like eliminating even like, like removing a little bit of friction over multiple instances tends to sort of add up. Yeah. Uh, and people appreciate it for it. And, but, you know, it's, you know, when, when, uh, when biometrics initially sort of came out, like people had varying degrees of reaction to using, um, you know, fingerprints on, uh, on their iPhone or using, you know, face ID and other kinds of stuff. But like now you see this in like in some of these things in airports and right. these Clear. things will happen all over a period places. of time yeah. and it is natural and it, it it isn't something that you can, you know, force and turn a switch overnight to do it. But one of those things that we tend to do is that we have to find use cases where the operators who are using this find utility in it. Yes, um, yes. And, and when they find utility in it and the customer adoption 
tends right. to follow. And then like if their customers are asking, like there, there, there's customers who go in and ask, there were customers who were going in and asking Whole Foods and locations as we were rolling it out. Because right. they when they had traveled, they'd used it in a different location and they went and their their location didn't have it. So they were wondering when it was coming. And those are all positive indications. They're small but positive indications that there is a demand for it. Is it the entire right. population is going to you start using it overnight? No. But at the same time, it is uh I'm like, I I'm pleased to see how this thing is 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 evolving especially for very different sets of use cases well and it's even more secure like that's the thing like no one's going to take my palm that palm is tied to my payment it's not like handing a credit card or something exactly i i totally get what you're saying like i think it'll consumer adoption will get there it's just a matter of like you said using it more frequently and more. by the way one of the other positive signs is this like you know when people use it you know 75 80 percent of people Stick with that. Yeah, I remember you said that last form time. Yeah, of identification mm-hmm. rather than switching to something else. Like in every location, you always have the ability to go back to use something else or switch to using a credit card or some other form of payment or some other form of identification. The fact that people are choosing to use it the first time you can be like you're going to try, but the second time you use it and the third time you use it, those are all like very positive indications that this is something that is resonating. Right. With right. them, and that they are they are finding utility out of it, which 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 we think is positive as well. It's something that we track, like we it's like how 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 often are people repeat using right for sure. This, which is um, it's it's one leading indicator for that you may be onto something. It's an interesting part. It's an interesting thought exercise for me too, in terms of like which one would I not want to forego just walk out or palm pay like i i actually don't know the answer to that I'm, i don't think i want to say right now i don't want to go on record but it's an interesting thought exercise to think about because i wouldn't want to give up either one now that i know having tried no. both of them i know and you feel the same way all right well let's let you let, before we let you go i'm curious is there anything that we Anne and i have not asked you about that you would like our retail executive audience to know uh, no, I think one of the things that I wanted to sort of end this note with is the um, th- there's you know there's a lot of talk of the, the macroeconomic climate and you know how people are it, there's these ebbs and flows and one of the things that like in so many conversations with so many customers that I've had the constant theme that seems to come about is that you know companies might be facing macroeconomic climate changes and stuff like that but their consumer expectations haven't reduced. No consumer expectation hasn't changed to say that I still want things happen quickly. I still want convenience. I still want this at the lowest cost. And so they are they themselves. And so like a, a lot of these things are where in the business are the way that we when, if you think about AWS is one of the core tenets of how we price and do these things is, you know, we make money when the retailers make money. So like our, our pricing and other kinds of things are highly linked to usage. Mm. Um, so like we don't get utility out of it until people actually use it. And that resonates really well because you don't have like these, you know, poor expenses, like user type licenses, which sometimes get used, sometimes don't get used. Um, and so the this is where I feel like several things that Amazon has done or several things that AWS has done is focus from the consumer and work backwards from the customer where the customer could be the end customer or it could be, you know, people buying your services is that you have to align yourself no matter what the economic conditions are, because if you, if you build the right thing that end customers want, and if you, if you sort of align yourself with the, with the right 
pricing approach, uh, more than one person in this sort of ecosystem tends to get uh, utility out of it. So, and that's that, that cycle is sort of repeating itself, which I which I think is is super interesting, having been through multiple uh, challenging macroeconomic conditions, if you will. Yeah, and you're you're setting a new customer behavior that you know once we start to see this in our stadiums, in our grocery stores, in our QSR experiences, you know we're going to start to expect this from other retailers in that space yeah. too. I yeah. mean, the convenience is something that, like you said, we're time starved now. We will be more time starved in the future. So I think this is just another for me. It, hearing you talk about this, Dilip, is just kind of showing us as retailers and in the retail audience really what to expect or what the consumer expectations are going to yeah. be for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's and, a great note to end on too. I mean, it's the universal yeah. use of Amazon. Like it's a great note to to bring up here to close us out. So, well, Dilip, thank you so much. Uh, that was awesome as always. And I love that. Did you love that? I know. I, mean, I, I, I absolutely love talking to you every time, Dilip. Now I want your team to get tasked on eliminating the lines at stadiums for the women's bathroom. So if you can figure out at Amazon how to just make that your next priority, we've got our, we've got our beer, we've got our hot dogs, we've got our fan yeah. merch. Now the women's bathroom line, get on that one. That's funny. That if anyone true. can solve it, Dilip, yeah. you and your team. Is, I have to say that that is a challenge. I haven't seen, like, I haven't seen the lines in stadiums. You're like, that. that's not nothing to sneer at. Like it, it's a real thing. That's harder than it. autonomous driving. Oh my That's God. That's right. Jeez. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Well, hey, thanks to Amazon's Dilip Kumar. Again, the VP of AWS applications at Amazon, or as we like to call him, one of the Omni stars at Amazon, making Omni Channel retail happen better every day. Thanks again, Dilip. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. And to everyone listening, as always, thanks for tuning in. And of course, be careful out there.